Welcome to the Improve, Inspire, Impact podcast and the second episode about the impact of coronavirus. As I mentioned last time, the purpose of these podcasts is to record how everyone is dealing with these exceptional times. And that's without the political spin and also the random conspiracy theories that seem to be prevalent. You'll hear snapshots of people's lives and thoughts after three weeks of lockdown, about community initiatives in Malksham, Wiltshire, and to start off with, more about the impact on education. In the last episode, secondary school students explained how they were affected, and this time around you'll hear from teachers and lecturers about the measures being taken to ensure continuity of learning. Hi, I'm a head teacher of a Devon Large primary school and I wanted to share with you the impact of the coronavirus on our school. It's been a time of uncertainty and change for children when routine is something that children and adults really thrive on. In the weeks before our closure, we were able to do a lot of talking sessions with the children to give them the facts about the virus and focus on the aspects that we could control There was so much discussion about it in every part of life. Children were hearing bits from the news, from conversations, from their friends, etc. They had lots of questions and they also had lots of misconceptions about it. They really needed to know the facts. We were able to focus on controlling the controllable with them, giving them the facts about the virus and also to tell them what they could do and did so much work on washing our hands, what to do if we cough or sneeze and how to stay connected with people. I think everyone's been worried about the virus, and when children hear and pick up on adults' worries, they it becomes their worries too. So sharing what the virus is in a pictorial, a simple way, really helped the children to provide the facts that they needed. We had our wonderful Year 6 cohort, who've been so motivated and engaged in their learning, and working towards their SATs tests. Um, after their SATs, there's so much they do to celebrate the end of their journey at primary, including a play, residential, celebratory assembly, um, additional time with their rainbow buddies who are children in reception. And this has come to an abrupt end for their journey at primary if we're unable to get back before um, the end of the summer term. So it's been really sad for them. uh, And we've started thinking about ways in which we can celebrate that end and give them closure to that time, the end of primary. Obviously, learning at home has been the major thing, the major change for us with our school closure. And very quickly, we've needed to set up learning platforms, train staff in these, agree suitable expectations, etc. Train the children that were in school in our last week about how to use these. In our last week of school, when we were open, we had about a quarter of our children off at that stage, some being unwell and some whose parents didn't want them to be at school with the worry of the virus spreading. So posted out the information to those children where they needed to, they needed that information to be able to access the online learning, have all the codes they need and give them the parent guides, etc. So far, we've had one week of children learning at home before we broke up for the Easter holidays. And during that week, it has been fantastic to see the learning that the children engaged with. Many of them have just embraced it and we've seen video clips, pictures, writing, reading, outdoor activities, life skills that um, children have been doing. School staff have really missed the children. They found that being able to connect with them and respond to their learning via the platforms that we've set up has been a great way of keeping in touch 
Teachers have also posted video clips of themselves to introduce the day's learning, which has allowed the children at home to see their school adults. And this has helped them to for the children to feel connected from the feedback that we've had from the parents to school and to their teachers. Some families will find it really difficult. Um, they could have more than one child. Many families are juggling working from home, supporting children with their schoolwork, sharing devices, etc. We've had families who are trying to work, manage small children, spend time with them, get involved in their learning. It's a really difficult time. Every child will respond differently to learning at home. Some children see home as home and school as school. And so not doing schoolwork at home will be very difficult for their parents to get involved. Others will sit for hours enjoying and engaging a project. It's an exceptionally difficult time for families. And this is why the connection with their teachers and the school adults is so important to try to inspire them and motivate them to engage them with their learning. Complex issues mean that families in our community will increase their level of vulnerability whilst being at home for prolonged periods of time without the usual support that they may get from school or other agencies. And we've I needed to identify an action strategies in order to keep up this communication and connection with those families so that we can ensure that we can support them in different ways during this period of closure. Staff have been amazing at pulling together to do what we've needed to do in such a short space of time and now trying to establish that new normal and a new routine with providing the learning for our children. Staff have had their own worries about their own families, keeping them safe. Some staff have needed shielding because of their own medical needs or that of someone that they care for. But they've been amazing at pulling together to support one another, train one another in order to keep our children engaged and motivated by the learning at home. School staff are classed as key workers at this time, so keeping the school open for vulnerable children and children of those critical workers has been important in supporting our community and we've needed to think of ways of protecting our staff as much as possible at this time and protecting the children that are in our care and do need to come to school. We've run an Easter school. The staff have never been more ready for a break to recuperate after a really difficult time but they've still volunteered their time generously in order, us, in order for us to run an Easter school uh, for families of key workers. Staff want to be part of supporting our community and part of supporting other critical workers that are absolutely essential in the job that they're doing to support the spread of the virus. It's been heartwarming how different agencies in the community have come together to ensure that we work uh, together to be able to support our families, people who have fundraised to support families, local shops who donate Easter eggs to the children of our key workers, thinking of ways to support people who may be on their own at this time and how we can connect with them. It's a worrying time for everyone, but the positive in all of this is the community spirit and something that I've never seen so strong before. At the moment, we've been firefighting with implementing all the guidance, setting up school for key workers, children, setting up the Easter club for key workers, children, making and delivering pet lunches to our children on free school meals on a daily basis, applying for food vouchers for families, checking in with our vulnerable families, making packs for children who are unable to access devices, setting up children with online learning, responding to this, following up with families who've not started to engage with this. 
as time goes on, we will establish these new routines and our new normal at a really unprecedented time. But there are longer term questions that need thinking through and we're starting those discussions at the moment. But in particular, worries about the academic gap widening and also the mental health work that would need to be established to support children and families going forward. Hello, my name is Ruth. I'm a primary school teacher in Devon. Um, my life has changed considerably since the coronavirus outbreak. I am not in school every day. I am now going into school once a week to look after the children of the key workers, which I'm proud to do um, and happy to do it, but it is really stressful. Um, we spend all day keeping children apart, which is really hard for them, but they, they're doing an amazing job. We're trying to make life as fun as possible for them, um, especially during the Easter holidays at the moment. I am having to plan for home learning and the children in school when it's term time will be doing the home learning in school um, with the children that are there and the teachers. So the rest of the time I'm working from home, writing reports, um, I'm recording stories to go on the website for the children. Um, I can't go to the shops, I, I can only go from home to work and back again, but I am allowed out to go and um, get some exercise. Um, it worries me when I go out. Um, in case I'm passing anything on inadvertently or in case I'm getting overloaded. Um, but I'm trying to stay as relaxed as I can. Um, I have my husband working from home here, my two boys who are teenagers. Um, one of them has been affected by the GCSEs, so he won't be taking his GCSE exams. Um, but he did well in his mocks and his predicted grade was really good. So we're hopeful that he'll get the results that he should have got but obviously nobody knows what would have happened had he been able to take them um they're coping really well they're just going online playing with their friends going for a bike ride once a day we've got the darts board back out luckily we've got a trampoline and a garden that they can have a play outside if they want fresh air um the dogs are fine they're not overly happy about just being walked once a day, but they're really happy that they've got all their humans at home for most of the time. Um, I've got four chickens in the back garden and they seem oblivious to what's going on, apart from I've been trying to train them how to jump through a hoop, so they obviously think that's a bit weird. Um, my Auntie Brenda at the moment is in a care home for dementia patients, um, and coronavirus has hit the home. She's got symptoms, so my thoughts at the moment are obviously with her and hoping that she will pull through, um, because if she doesn't, then the chances are I will never get to say goodbye to her properly, and that's really hard. Um, my thoughts are with everybody that is suffering um, at the moment, anybody that has lost people who they're close to, I just can't imagine how they will pull through, but I'm sure they will. Um, all I can do is make sure that I am take my clothes off before I get home from school to make sure that nothing contaminates me. I'm going straight into the shower and then for the next day, 
pretty much I'm not actually hugging or having contact with my family who are in the house um, because I don't want to pass anything on. It's really scary times, but trying to remain positive, and I think, think that's the only way through it, is humour, caring about people that you care about, and trying to stay strong for the children, and yeah, keep safe everyone, take care, and let's hope this will soon be over. Hello, I'm uh, Alistair Hibbins. I'm a professor of physics at the University of Exeter and I just wanted to talk about some of the effects of the coronavirus uh, to kind of academic and in university life. Well, first of all, students, um, the undergraduates have been massively affected. Obviously, they've all been sent home, asked to leave campus. The campus is shut. People aren't allowed on site at all, not allowed in any of the buildings or the teachings moved online. And of course, there's been a huge amount of effort that's gone into how those courses are being delivered. Um, my colleagues are putting a massive amount of effort into using online mechanisms and processes in order to teach and assess the undergraduates. And I think that's going to continue as we move into the exam season um, over the next few months as well. Luckily for our subject, that um, it's it's good that at least the students have undertaken most of their experimental work but obviously there's going to be a lot of mitigation I would have thought to apply to some of those projects which have been underway for one year or more and obviously the university situation is going to be quite adversely affected by uh, a drop in international students uh, next year I imagine that Exeter like many other universities across the UK if not all universities across the UK that get a lot of their income from international students and uh, their financial situation I imagine will be thrown into the air and we'll be waiting to see it or how it all lands again over the next few months or so. Actually most of my work is working in research and to be honest that's continued pretty much as normal uh, at least from my side of things, I continue to read students' theses. I continue to read and write documents, help them, help students with their projects, help PhD students with their projects, and also run larger research projects. But the postgraduates concerned and the researchers concerned, they're going to see massive interruption into their careers and their studies as well, because they were not able to undertake the experiments. The labs shut, as I said before, labs all completely shut, which means much of the work again has moved online into numerical and theoretical modelling. And that can continue for a short while, but it's not going to continue successfully for more than a few months. And I know that there's uh, the research councils are putting quite a lot of effort into thinking about how the careers and the PhD studies of those students and staff will be affected and making sure that they don't suffer too much from the, the coronavirus outbreak that we're experiencing at the moment. Hi, I'm Danny and I'm a freelance teacher and translator based in the northeast of Spain. I teach English and I translate from Spanish and Catalan into English and I also write and publish materials for learners of English. I've been concentrating on online teaching for about three years and so I've been working from home for three years.
So therefore, the coronavirus pandemic has had a very, very small impact on me so far, because, uh, of course, the work is much the same as it was. And until demand for it goes down, uh, I'm not going to really notice much difference. Um, I did expect demand to fall, perhaps because the students who would be booking my classes didn't have uh, the money to do so or had financial concerns looking forward uh, or maybe um, the, the their reasons for learning English which could be uh, preparing for for an exam which they need for a job interview application or for a, a, a um, immigration application a university place something like that those those exams are being cancelled so the applications are going on hold and therefore they 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 don't have any motivation or an, any particular purpose for for booking English classes um, however that doesn't appear to have happened yet the uh, the classes do continue and the, um, the the website that I publish material for still continues to operate and its owner uh, said to me last week um, no the, 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 the demand generally for use of the website apart from the classes but for, for uh, some of the free content on the website um, it, that's, that's all just the same um, it hasn't gone up or down so as a consequence, I'm not really very affected by uh, what's happened so far. Um, and it, it makes me slightly uneasy in a way, because, of, of course, um, I, I read the news in the morning, uh, watch um, the news on the Spanish TV. Um, and I, tr- I, I spend a lot of time just reading about the the, uh, the horrible things that are happening and the way that it's having a, a really negative impact on, on people in general. And so I, I sort of feel duty bound to share in a collective sorrow, e- even though I, I don't have a tangible negative reason to, to do so. I, I, I just feel that um, as a society, um, we, we should all be feeling a little bit dejected at the moment. Having said that, it, it's, it's also crossed my mind that, that there are some positives to think about, um, not just for me personally, but, but I mean generally. Um, two obvious examples are the, the fact that nature has responded by um, uh, fish appear I think it was fish in the Venice canals uh, a lack of pollution in in some heavily polluted areas um, n- nature doesn't take long to regain its territory when mankind stops its activity and so um, this year the the world might recover a little bit the the natural world I mean and the other thing that might come as a result of this is the fact that because we're all being encouraged to think of others social distancing measures and staying at home um, perhaps after all of this is over we as a society might just be a bit more considerate of each other you know we've all been in 
situations where we've been having a bad day or we're hot and bothered and we and, and we push past people and we curse people and we um just generally aren't very nice to each other i hope i'm not just speaking for myself uh, pe- people in general uh, we've we've all been in that situation maybe just maybe at the end of this we we might all be prepared to be to be a bit more forgiving and give each other a bit more space uh we'll just have to wait and see i guess so that's the impact on education so far from teachers to carers i was really pleased to receive this contribution and would love more of the same contact details at the end of this podcast if you're interested everyone is experiencing this differently hi i'm jade and i'm a full-time carer and a single mum to a son with asd lockdown has had a varied impact Negatives are events have been cancelled or delayed, not being able to see family. But I'm pretty positive around it. Projects being done. I'm also undertaking Ollie Ollerton's Gold Masterclass and also participating in the Battle Ready 360 Live videos, um, even though I'm recovering from costochondritis. So after all... For me, until you're mentally prepared, you're never physically ready. That is why I'm focusing on goals, staying positive, because then when it is time to get back out and train properly, I'm actually going to be ready. Um, I'm still able to communicate via video link, so friends and family are actually never far away. Financially, I work from home anyway, being a full-time carer. The only thing is, is I'm the one that leaves the property to go food shopping and the only impact on this is I've noticed little things such as wet wipes, pull-ups as my son is not quite potty trained yet and even offers on fresh meat for example isn't there anymore. I understand the restrictions regarding this obviously to stop people stockholding and taking more than they need. The social distancing isn't a problem, okay, I've missed out on my goddaughter's first birthday, but the hardest person to deal with this is actually my son, Lucas. He's the one that wants to go to places like the seaside and the park. He also asks to go to school. And I just turn around and say, Lucas, you can't, mate, everything is sick, and you don't want to get sick. So we have to adapt him learning as best as we can through sensory play, through apps on the iPad, etc. But if it isn't f- for the massive people out there, such as the NHS workers, the carers, the people working in, in the supermarkets, the drivers, the couriers, they're the ones that are on the front line. So thank you for all that you're doing. Guys, just stay at home protect the NHS, but don't be afraid to seek medical advice if you need it. Throughout the country, communities are pulling together, managed by various local bodies. Here's one example. I'm Linda Roberts. I'm the town clerk for Melksham, a market town in West Wiltshire. The coronavirus has had a huge impact on this community, both positive and negative. Obviously, we realise how scary it is for those who are self-isolating and vulnerable and can't get out to get urgent supplies and basic necessities like food. The Town Council decided it was important that we got behind this and supported our community whichever way we could. I have to report the community engagement and sense of coming together has been outstanding, humbling 
and very moving, with everyone looking out for each other. We now have over 300 volunteers, and no task is too difficult. They get shopping regularly for people that are self-isolating, they're picking up prescriptions, they're delivering them to the door. Some are even going out of pocket and even going to hospital some 20 miles away to pick up prescriptions. I have to say that this is the best community engagement initiative I've ever been involved with. And we hope that we can continue long after this is finished to make sure that we continue to reach out to those who are usually hard to reach. The sense of community here has become so strong and I really hope that it continues long after this awful event. It's amazing how fast you can work and get things set up too. The system that we've created on our computer system, enabling us to log all calls, log all those who are vulnerable, make sure they get their needs, is unfounded. If we were actually developing a system like this, it would take at least six months but we've actually done it on the hoof. As we've gone, we've improved how the system works to make sure no one falls through the loop. Every member of the team, who, an officer of the town council, is engaged in matching volunteers with those that have needs. The system is developing on a daily basis and we are honing and refining as we go. We've even, in this unprecedented times, reached out to our independent retailers who many of whom have had to close during this crisis. Many are concerned about losing business and having to close their business. We're doing our best to support them in whatever way we can by promoting them on websites, Facebook, all social media, advising people if they still can buy from them online, take away delivery services from very small independent cafes. We're doing anything we can to try and keep this business of the town going and to support those in need. Many of the small businesses are concerned about claiming the government help, so we've even extended a handout to them to help them with any forms that might seem overcomplicated to them. We're working very closely with the food bank. It's also important to mention the many businesses, supermarkets in the town that have gone above and beyond to support our volunteers. To help identify them, they've all been given ID cards as well as a T-shirt they are letting the volunteers who are shopping for several people get to the front of the queue. This service means that less people are going into the shops and pharmacies, therefore helping to stop the spread of this dreadful virus. It really is the whole community coming together to get through this. It makes me quite emotional and quite humble and also count my blessings. There are so many people in our community that need help and together we're getting them that help and also making their day. One person likened this support that we're giving them to those on the front line in the NHS were as a vital service. I never ever envisaged that the staff from a town council could actually deliver that service in the way that we have. It's a real collaborative approach as well because we've joined with our Melksham Without Parish Council and their staff are working as hard as well. So the whole community area is supported by initiative that started out with us trying to work out how we could best come together to help them. And look into the future, we hope that we can get the community together, support them where they have street parties, and really celebrate how the community of Melksham has got through this dreadful crisis. Something for them to focus on and look forward to. We will get through this, and working together like we are in Melksham and many other communities, I'm sure we'll be much stronger for it, 
So whilst it's scary at this time and people are concerned about when this is all going to be over, the benefits in the long run will soon make those memories fade away. Thanks must go to the officers of Melksham Town Council and Melksham Without Parish Council who are working seven days a week to keep this scheme running. Their commitment and support in this time has been amazing. I have to say that we all dragged ourselves out of the town hall when we heard that Boris had asked us to all work from home where we could. None of us wanted to do it, but with regular messages on WhatsApp, meetings on Zoom, we still feel like a team and can feel proud of what we're doing for this wonderful community. From large towns to small parishes. The work of a local council clerk is determined by many different factors. You may have a team of staff and a town hall, like Melksham, or you may be working from home, on your own. There is, however, one thing in common. You have to be highly adaptable to whatever circumstances you find yourself in, and they are many and varied. Here, Kate shares her current work and life situation. I am a clerk. It's all fairly quiet. I work for two parishes. One, I actually live in the village, um, and we're a very small village, and they don't do a lot anyway. So we have decided to just put everything on hold until we can meet again. Um, it doesn't. It means I don't get paid, but I will still carry on. Um, my husband works from home. He has an office in the garden, so he feels he's going to work. So life actually hasn't changed for him, although he's not travelling as much. He's not going away. Um, so he is here all the time. Um, we do have a neighbour next door who is a bit annoying. I have managed to keep my mouth shut because, yes, I am going out about twice a day because rural, I'm not meeting anybody. I'm going in different directions. I'm going off piece, so to speak. So I'm not meeting anybody. I do have to walk past their house and he knocks on the window saying, you've been out already this morning. I have kept my mouth shut, but I will still carry on. I'm running out of chocolate. I don't drink alcohol, so chocolate is my vice. I've already finished off the Easter eggs, so I'm going to have to go and buy more. But with two boys home, they keep digging into the snacks and biscuits too, so my chocolate stack is disappearing. Boys, yes, I have two boys. They were at university. Of course, they're shut too. Um, And yes, during lockdown, we did go and get them only because I wanted to be happier to felt they were safer. Um, Been home for two weeks. Not good bits, bad bits. Um, But we're coping. Um, They just go through the food. And at evening, about six o'clock, they'll appear out of their pits or their bedrooms and say, what's for supper? So I am missing the simple evenings. Thank you to everyone who's contributed to this episode. Episode three is going to feature the impact on health, fitness and mindset. And of course, I'm still looking for more people to share their stories and feelings. I've not heard from the retail sector or agriculture and also like to hear more from frontline workers such as police, NHS and firefighters. Positive or negative, as long as it's honest and authentic, I'd welcome it. It's quite easy. You can record it on your phone and then send it by email to almond.triangle at gmail.com or you can send me a message on Instagram where I'm also almond.triangle and then I can let you know my WhatsApp details. Thanks for listening.